Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 1, Episode 12, Memory Palace, with Lara Camilla Medina. I want to thank you for listening to the first season of Future Prairie Radio. This is our final episode of Season 1. What started out as a little collective of artists and friends has expanded quite rapidly. We have nearly 40 artists on our roster now. We're going to be taking a few months off of podcasting to make and share new work, attend workshops and residencies, and most importantly, prepare for a big summer arts festival. Today we have Laura. She's an interdisciplinary artist born in Bogota, Colombia and raised in Orlando, Florida. She bases her practice around uprooting and migration as a response to personal, cultural, and historical research. She's inspired by memories of home, her mother's arepas, and her father's soundtracks. Her work has been shown at the Center for Contemporary Art and Culture, Planeta, New York, and the Nat Turner Project. And when I saw her swirling, dancing, mixed reality, digital collage videos, I just knew I had to have her on the podcast. Laura is currently working with Make Think Code, a research lab that brings together members of Portland, Oregon's vibrant creative, tech, civic, and educational communities to explore the powerful role that creativity and technology play in the search for imaginative and impactful solutions to complex and urgent problems. Make Think Code is based at the Pacific Northwest College of Art, also known as PNCA. You'll hear Laura refer to that in the interview. Today she shares some of her recent work on migration, cultural identity and belonging, some visions for the future, and what she's been up to in installation and VR these days. So my name is Laura, and I'm a resident for Make Think Code. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I was born in Bogota, Colombia. So I migrated from Colombia, and I do a lot of work about that. I do a lot of work about uprooting and traveling through these different spaces with... I wouldn't say it's like a multiple identity, but it's definitely like a layered identity. Mm-hmm. So I make a lot of work about displacement and identity and how memory reinforces your identity, especially when it's so tied to your culture. I grew up really culturally Colombian in my household because of my parents, but there was also a really big Colombian community. Florida is so south that a lot of people migrating that are seeking political asylum see that as, okay, there's Spanish-speaking people living here. I might be able to build a home here. I grew up with a lot of Colombian people, like a lot of Colombian food. Our culture is really celebrated there, and when I moved here, I was silent. I began to like just research about the history of Colombia, pre-Columbian history, and then colonization, and basically up to present day. Why did my family have to migrate? I ended up exploring a lot of different mediums. My final work at PNCA was a video installation, a performance that was about 20 minutes long, a drawing installation, and then personal objects that were installed around the room. And it was based on a lot of research that I did on memory palaces, but it was kind of like taking this idea of spatial memory and using that to create meaning out of the couple of things that I had that I brought back 
from Columbia. So like a little Minnie Mouse suitcase that I have since birth that had all of my family pictures, some ceramic bowls that were made in the town where my grandpa was born, certain herbs that like my mom used while cooking. So it was like a mixture of all these things. And then the performance itself was kind of me repeating things that were taught to me. So I dance in the performance, traditional dances that I was taught by my parents in school while I was a child in Colombia. And those are things that have been reinforced just because like, my dad's a musician, so that music surrounded me my whole life. And the next one I did was making arepas, the most staple food in Colombia. It's a simple corn flour, water, salt, molded into a flat like a thicker tortilla. So I made those. And then I also looked through my family photographs and how the performance is seen is basically, I use a green screen while I'm doing all of these actions. Like I film myself and then I built a digital space that was all drawn. The floor and the walls are all different patterns that for me associate to different memories. So I basically build a digital memory palace for myself where I could contemplate on my identity and these actions is like dancing and cooking and looking through my photographs and just feeling like I made a space for myself. It was a projection. So what I'm working on now is building those spaces in VR. How can I make this more immersive? Because I really like that mix of digital spaces and technology, but where some of the elements are still hand-drawn and hand-painted, I really love that mixture of aesthetic. I don't know, I feel like it resonates with having a multicultural experience where some things are more tradition. Colombia is still a very traditional space, whether it's good or bad. Like It's still very traditional and homogeneous, so having that technology I feel like is more of like my American side that speaks to kind of that multiculturality or cultural hybridity that I've experienced just growing up here but feeling at home I'm so Colombian but I'm growing up in the U.S. exploring those two different worlds almost. To be honest I've been here for three years and I have not met many Colombians. I've put in the effort. I met one of my really good friends her name is Angelica Mijan. She also was a PNCA student. She was in the grad program and friends were like, oh, you're from Columbia. Oh, my friend's from Columbia too. And I was like freaking out. There's <laughs> another one. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we bonded in a very strong way because we had such similar experiences. She was also from Bogota, had also immigrated to Central Florida, grew mm-hmm. up in Central Florida and then moved to Portland. So I was able to talk to someone, which was really amazing. And then I've met a couple people here and there where it does feel good. It feels like I'm at home for a little bit. I can let my guard down for a little bit and be like how I would be at home. So it's definitely kind of conflicting, but in general, like not Colombian, but like more of the Latinx community, I definitely felt supported by the Latinx community at PNCA. I was part of Students of Color Coalition and it was more as not singling myself to just being Colombian, but being a person of color that can have solidarity to other marginalized communities. It really just expanded that wanting to reach out to other people that maybe didn't have the same experience as I did, but it resulted in a similar feeling, you know? I really want to 
keep working with installation, keep working with video. I feel like I still have a lot to process as far as memory. So I've been working on monotypes printed on chiffon that are more like automatic memories because the method of printing monotypes, it has to be really immediate because the ink dries, so you kind of have to do it very fast. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a lot of those that are immediate memories and I want to build a physical memory palace. What I want to do <laughs> is drape it in the shape of a room so that people can walk into it and experience all of these different images and memories. And then within it, I would like to have a TV sculpture that has my video work mm. so that it can be like experienced in this memory palace. But I've also have thought about building narratives that I feel can resonate to more people. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like someone that really inspires me is Santa Cisneros. She's a Chicana writer who writes kind of in this method of vignettes. Mm -hmm. And she takes a lot from her personal life, but also takes from friends and students to build these like really beautiful narratives about what it is growing up multicultural, what it is to grow up an immigrant or a child of immigrants, how you navigate through these cultures. So I really want to make a virtual reality home that an audience can walk through that is like individual memory palace of a family. Huh. A mom, a dad, a daughter, going through these experiences of an immigrant family, but within their own memory palaces. So like you're able to witness their experiences. And I'm hoping to use my parents, their stories of coming here, giving up a life that they had in another country with the possibility of like not seeing their family for a really long time and dealing through like separation and learning a different language adapting to a different culture but I wanted it to be a family because I wanted it to be multi-generational I just wanted these people to see themselves reflected in art which I feel like in Portland it doesn't happen that often where a 50 or a 60 year old immigrant mother can see herself reflected at a gallery walk into a gallery and be like oh my god I know what that's like or hear music and be like, oh, I'm taken back to like a memory of my own. So I think that's what I'm planning towards. Through my residency at Make Think Code, I'm learning how to use different software that can help me get there, like using Unity and stuff to build spaces and hopefully being able to upload hand-drawn or hand-painted patterns or objects and things onto those spaces. Something that really helped me out was just writing, kind of letting myself have a private moment where I even though I'm vulnerable I can be really honest because I'm doing this for myself mm -hmm. so I basically would just I would write my earliest memory and then just keep going whatever yes. like memory led after that I would just write it it would just unfold onto so many things that I hadn't thought about in years or maybe it happened and I never thought about it again because it wasn't reinforced because I was taken out of that environment and put into another one so writing was one of the best things that I did when I was in that process I also think talking it could be to another person but it could just be talking and like just record myself see what comes out because sometimes it doesn't come out through writing sometimes it's easier for it to be spoken so 
those moments just they have these elements that are so honest and so raw that I feel are so inspiring when it comes to making work because you're writing or you're listening to yourself and you're reading and these images are just popping up in your head and I feel like that's that's so much inspiration and I feel like another part of it is as far as motivation is knowing that I'm not alone that a lot of people have experiences that may be feeling alone so maybe if I make this work it'll connect with them and it'll build that solidarity or that support or that inspiration I was part of the utopian visions art fair that happened not that long ago we were just like thinking a lot about what is a utopia and I guess we each have our personal utopia so I guess for me it would just be a place that is inclusive and fair to all types of people where all types of people can come together and build a really beautiful world that is sustainable where like our earth isn't dying anymore or a point where we're agreeing that what's happening to earth is real and we need to either slow it down or stop making it worse you know mm-hmm. I think where human rights are taken seriously where everyone has water and food and shelter and where we're able to interact with one another peacefully and where people aren't separated. I mean, I guess where people can choose to live their own lives, but it's not forced upon them by, like, government or war or violence. I know, it's the super (laughs) ideal things, but that's what I think about. It's like peace solidarity and bringing humanity back i don't know if these things are possible i hope that they are i don't know i have made work maybe not about migration but about displacement as it relates to climate change because there is i mean this is happening all over the world but the research i did on a specific group was the Waju indigenous community that lives in colombia and venezuela they live in the utmost tip that connects Venezuela and Colombia. And they're a matriarchal society that has been around before we were colonized. So they've been able to kind of separate themselves from the government, but the government doesn't see that separation as we should give these people the right to the land they've inhabited for centuries. You guys can be your own group, but we're still going to take the resources of the land where you live. There are Swedish, Irish, and Australian coal mining companies in a coal mine called Encerrejon. And basically what that's done is obviously like polluted that area. And they've also dammed a river for their purposes. They dammed the river because they needed that water and it completely killed vegetation, which killed animals. So these people don't have a food source, don't have water, and are often dying because of contaminated water, of whatever they can get. The rain there is so toxic. These people are dying, basically, are getting attacked from every way. And because it it doesn't really rain that much anymore, it's become a desert, basically. Climate change is really affecting them, and coal mining, we don't need to do that anymore. We have found other ways to deal with 
energy and the, that's not the solution like that's just making climate change worse at this point I did paintings that I projected on I've done prints like I've done lithographs I've done sculptures so I did this these porcelain cast bottles of mortar oil containers because that's what they carry their water in because wow. that's what's like around them so they carry their water in that which like not healthy at all but you know that's it's what they have and it's about how long their journey is just in the search for water because they will walk like mothers will walk with their children 20 kilometers a day to look for water so it was about that it was about their search for water how water is just being held above them how it's just being like contained I mean no it's there because it's dammed but it's right next to them and they don't own the water that was theirs for centuries so it's just about bringing awareness to this issue because it's not a singular problem this is stuff that's happening all over the world but if we see it like that there's no action or people just don't care because they're like it's happening all over the world so I focus on one because we need to bring that humanity because these are people these are mothers and children that are dying every day because of this and if we're able to see that one mother and that one child and feel for them, then maybe we can feel for how big the problem really is. And the Waju are also really well known for their craft, which is weaving. You'll start to notice people walking around big cities like New York, Portland, LA, wearing their bags. They buy their bags online or whatever to stores that will be like, this is fair trade. We're helping enable these people to continue a way of life that they've had for centuries, but these people are dying and people don't know. Places that sell these bags aren't like, hey, these people are dying, buy the bags. I've done a lot of work about that exploitation of craft and the fascination that Portland has with fair trade. I mean, it's really scary because it's coming. Definitely this century, if not like a few decades, where people are gonna have to flee. Like birds do, when their habitat is no longer sustainable, they leave. Mm -hmm. But it seems like that's not a human right anymore, where people are able to move and build a brighter future that's not accessible. I mean, like all those people that are coming on the caravan, these are people that live in the worst violence in the world. Like the worst gang violence is in Central America and these people are fleeing because it's either you leave or you die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's not taken into account. Our government seems to not take climate change seriously. So will they take those circumstances seriously when it's people that need to leave? I don't know. I mean, I hope that they do, but it's... It's so scary. It's really disheartening that the conditions are so severe. And it's often, like, in the hands of the U.S. It's U.S. intervention that has led corrupt government in Central and South America to get to this point. So, you know, it's like, we're going to mess you up over there, but don't try to come over here for help. I definitely think about the future a lot and... Something that really inspires me is I work with a group of kids at Hosford Middle School, and we are the Future Latinx Leaders Club communities within the middle school. So, you know, it's really interesting to hear 13-year-olds just talking about social injustice and how aware of it they are. They just really are aware of everything that's happening, and I feel like 
you know, I mean, I was that age 10 years ago. Like, it wasn't that long ago, but... I feel like it's definitely escalated and I feel like the sense of activism in them is on. Anything really that they don't agree with, they're like, we should protest. It makes me really happy that I'm able to interact with them because I want them to feel supported and I want them to know that there are really amazing opportunities for them. So I really hope to continue doing that. I mean, I would love to teach in the future. So I think making an emphasis on working with younger communities, showing them the opportunities and like the abilities and the things that they're capable of is one of the most important things to me. If you'd like to see Lara's work, you can look her up on Vimeo. You won't regret it. And I also wanted to share that she was recently selected to work with the artist activists of Signal Fire. She's going to be going down to the U.S.-Mexico border next month to study the landscape and migration patterns and climate change effects. We wish her all the best on her way down there, and we can't wait to see what she reports back. The artists of Future Perry have a live show coming up on Saturday, April 13th at the Hollowed Halls in Southeast Portland, Oregon at 7.30 p.m. I'm going to be singing a couple new songs I've written. Our theme for the night is Spring Fling, Notions of Paradise, Utopia, Dreams, Romances, and Joy. Our live variety show is inspired by the Chautauquas of the 19th and early 20th centuries, where people from all walks of life came together to experience education, entertainment, and culture for the whole community. The link for tickets is live on our website, futureprairie.com. Future Prairie is sponsored by Square. Squirrel. Square. Squirrel. Future Prairie is sponsored. <laughs> oh. Can you tell it's the last episode? Square helps millions Future of entrepreneurs run their businesses. Future Prairie is sponsored by Square. Square helps oh. millions of artists and entrepreneurs run their businesses with secure credit card processing and point of sale solutions. Find out more and get free processing on up to $1,000 in sales at squareup.com forward slash I forward slash future time. Okay, that's it for season one. We'll see you in a few months. Don't give up. Keep making and sharing. Artists play a pivotal role in redesigning today and reimagining tomorrow. Artists are needed today more than ever. If you need help establishing your art career, feel free to reach out to us at any time by email or phone. All of our contact info is up on our site. It's futureprairie.com. Goodbye.